I'm Nancy Adair, the host of LTGW, where we explore the stories from the dark and the light side of both addiction and recovery. Our show is currently free to listen to and it's advertisement free. Therefore, we're relying on your support to keep bringing you these powerful stories. Do you suppose we'll hear stories about addiction? We might. Oh. Stories about recovery, too? Mm, but mostly stories about how addiction turns smart, sensitive people into liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Liars? And thieves? And gluttons and whores. Oh, liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are on the air with me, Nancy Adair, the host and creator of Liars, Thieves, Gluttons, and Whores, the podcast that tells you dark and light side of both recovery and addiction. And every week I bring you different topics, different experts in the field, and different guests. Most of my guests are recovering themselves. And today's guest is no stranger to recovery and to addiction. So I'd like to introduce you to Alex, who is a yoga teacher. And um, I, I don't know Alex. I've never met or had a conversation with Alex before today. And I can already tell you that she is a go-getter. She is someone that got sober in 2019 and has already founded the Mindful Life Practice Community and Sober Girls Yoga and is doing Sober Curious Yoga teacher training, which I'm so curious about. And uh, just the, there's an endless list already of accomplishments. And I believe Alex is quite young. So I'm going to allow her to introduce herself more fully and then start asking Alex some questions just about the dark moments in addiction and some of what she's been able to do now that she's living a clean and sober life. Welcome, Thank Alex. You. Thank you so much, Nancy. What a nice introduction. It's so awesome to be here. And why don't you start with uh, what's your last name and um, you know, say the name of your practice or business again, so people can, you know, we'll put that in show notes and we'll give room for people to understand where they can reach you at the end of the program. But right now at the beginning, where, where are you today and where do you reside most often? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Alex McRobert, but I go by Alex McRobs online and the reason why is actually because I used to be a school teacher. I was a grade one teacher and my social media name was Alex McRobbs so that my students couldn't find me and the parents couldn't find me. And then it just became like, it's my name now. Like, I don't think I can switch to Alex McRobert. So, and I am a, so I full-time run this sober community online called the Mindful Life Practice. I run the Sober Girls Yoga community, which is, I do one month all the way to one year 
recovery programs for women that are revolve around the practice and the spirituality of yoga. And then we do yoga retreats and yoga teacher training. So I was just, I'm in North America right now visiting with my family. And the reason why I came down here was because I had an event for members of my community in Mexico. So we did a week long yoga retreat. It was amazing. I do the events in Bali as well. And Bali is where I live the majority of the time. And I was a teacher in Dubai throughout my 20s. And so that's why I have this Middle East connection as well. So that's actually where I established the company. And then when I quit my job, I decided to do my work remotely, run my business remotely from Bali. And now I'm, I'm a little bit nomadic, you know, <laughs> I can work wherever I have Wi-Fi. So I've been able to be in North America for a couple months this summer, which has been really nice. And I'm heading back to Dubai tomorrow and then Bali later on in August. Wow. That just is phenomenal. And even that you said when I was in my twenties, um, I know for the listeners, they can't see your young, vivacious self, but <laughs> I would have thought you were in your 20s now. How old are you, Alex? Well, I'm 30. I'm 30. So I just turned 30 earlier this year, but I think of it as like, so I moved to the Middle East when I was 23 and I was a teacher there until I was 29. When did I turn 30? I was a teacher until I was 28. So I kind of think of my 20s as like my Middle East chapter, you know? So even though I'm like, I'm only 30, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's great and so you were sober in 2019 or that's when you began your sobriety journey yeah. and what does that mean you were just 20 27 27 mm -hmm. you know I was 24 when I got sober wow that's amazing 30 now but <laughs> Actually, I'm older than doubling 30. So, you know, um, and it's been a journey that just keeps getting better. So what was that pinnacle moment, Alex, when you knew at the young age of 27 that the gig was up? Yeah, so I grew up in Toronto, had pretty much normal or what I thought was normal drinking habits at that point. Like I you know, partied in high school and university. I mean, it probably wasn't normal in hindsight. Like I was binge drinking a lot and drinking, you know, on weeknights, but I really feel what pushed me really forward really fast into sobriety was the juxtaposition of the environments I found myself in in my twenties. So when I first moved to the Middle East, I was actually moving to Kuwait when I was 23 and Kuwait is this tiny conservative Middle Eastern country between Iraq and Saudi Arabia that is completely dry. So alcohol is completely illegal in Kuwait, but you can find it, you can make it, you can get invited to embassies, you can network with like the wealthy people who have, you know, secret bars in their houses. And so I moved there knowing that it was illegal, but knowing that I could find alcohol, but it would be a struggle. And the thing is that like, I was drinking through my whole time there, but it's the whole party atmosphere that is gone when you're living in a dry country. Like you're drinking in secret in people's houses and people's chalets in your own house. You're drinking this like horrible homemade stuff out of a bottle. And so I feel like I really quickly got this obsession around finding alcohol, making alcohol, leaving the country to get alcohol, to drink alcohol. And I ended up in this relationship towards the end of my time in Kuwait, where my partner was really into partying as much as I was. And, you know, he worked in oil. So he had the privilege to be able to 
fly out to Dubai for these like blowout party weekends. And so all of a sudden I'm like swept up in this wild lifestyle in Dubai. And of course me, I was like, okay, this is the problem. The problem is that I live in a dry country. The solution is that I need to move somewhere where I can party and then I'll be happy and everything will be better. (laughs) So I got a job in Dubai and I moved there. Well, in Abu Dhabi, which is about an hour outside of Dubai, um, on the highway. So I moved there when I was 25 thinking that everything would be solved and everything would be better because I could drink. And to my delight, you know, I moved into this beautiful accommodation that the school provided me where there was a liquor store in the building and you could drink every night of the week, ladies nights, brunches, you know, the party culture at my school was just unbelievable. Like the behavior of all the teachers, it was like, we were on spring break, like every week, basically. And I only lasted there probably a year and a half before I got sober. I would say almost exactly a year and a half, actually, because I moved there in uh, November of 2017. And in April of 2019, I, that was it. And so I just hit this, I was in this spiral where everything was getting worse. My mental health was horrible. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was completely broke because I was, you know, going to all these five-star hotels for all these parties And I realized, you know, the problem is obviously the alcohol, right? That's the only thing that's wrong in my life right now. Like I have a great job. I have a great apartment. I didn't love being a teacher, but you know, it it worked. And I initially, when I quit drinking, it was originally like, I'm just going to take a month off this and, you know, fix my relationship with alcohol. And then I'll go back and like moderate. And for me, it was just such an extreme thing of I quit and it was such an extreme withdrawal and such an extreme emotional experience for me that I wasn't expecting that by the time I got to like 11 days sober that was when I the light started to come in like 11 days 12 days and that was the moment when I realized like look I cannot drink anymore because I cannot do that 11 days withdrawal ever again and like that has been enough to keep me on my sober journey for this long. And like, here I am three years, three months later. I have heard so many people talk about, I'll quit for a month. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you shared that with listeners because it is very common. And I work with a lot of people who said, you know, really ideally what I wanna do is cut down or become a moderate drinker or learn to, drink responsibly. I, I don't want to stop. <laughs> you know, I don't have to stop. And I think most people don't stop until they have to stop. Yeah. And I love your experience. You know, 11 days in, I realized I don't ever have to go through this withdrawal again if I don't start drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, lots mm-hmm. of people can stop. It's fewer people that can stay stopped. Mm-hmm. So Alex, one of the things that we often hear too is like that some stories from active addiction that are very comical, except when you're living them. So are there stories that you remember or a story uh, from the debacle days that you would share with our listeners that may be comical to the listener, but not comical to live through? Gosh, that's a, that's a great question. 
and I, oh, actually, yes. <laughs> I was like, I've never been asked this question before. And I'm, I'm sure there's so many moments like this, but the one that immediately pops into my head, which um, I don't think I've ever publicly talked about this, <laughs> but okay. So when I was drinking, I used to get so drunk and thought, think it was so funny to like steal random things, like things that weren't of value. I would never steal like, you know, something that was of value. It would be something really random. Like once at a party, me and my friend stole this, like <laughs> we stole a, a plastic water pitcher. And then this was like when I was in high school and then we took it to McDonald's. <laughs> oh my God, this is so funny. Okay. We took it to McDonald's and then <laughs> We convinced this random woman to buy us enough McNuggets to fill the entire thing. So it was like 40 McNuggets or something that we filled this pitcher with. And then we were finding, this was like at one in the morning, we were finding strangers to like put, to like pour the McNuggets into. Like we just thought it was so funny to be like drinking McNuggets. Um, luckily it was not something that ever was like documented so no one ever knew what happened it was just like us with a bunch of strangers at mcdonald's but this leads me to the other story i was going to share which is that when i was like in in my last year sober it was my boss's birthday in dubai and she i got invited to celebrate her birthday just like five of us were invited to this um it was like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's bachelor and bachelorette party. They weren't obviously there. It was like a cardboard cutout of Meghan Markle, but I was obsessed with Meghan Markle at this point. And it was like a pin the tail on Meghan Markle thing. And I had so many drinks. And then I just said, you know, I'm going to steal that picture of Meghan Markle. And they were like, how are you going to steal it? And I said, I'm just literally going to walk out. I'm going to put it under my hand and walk out of the club. And that is what I did. Like I literally picked it up and walked out and put it in my taxi and brought it home. And then I woke up in the morning and I put on my Instagram story. Thank God I had not said on my story that I stole this picture of Meghan Markle. But the thing is like, it, it was for a game. I knew it wasn't something that was like someone's prized possession. They're like Meghan Markle cut, cut out. But in the UAE, it's like completely against the law to steal anything. It's so illegal. And I was like, oh my God, if anyone finds out that I stole this and I had heard stories of people stealing, you know, a Christmas Santa and then they got lifetime ban of the golf club or whatever. And I was in panic, like anxiety. And this was like all of my bosses that I had been partying with, you know, and I cannot tell you how anxious I was about it, but then it passed the point where I was like, so worried about getting in trouble. And then I had it in my kitchen. And every time someone would come into my house, I thought it was so funny. Like the people would be like, why do you have this picture of my Markle? I was like, oh, ha, ha, I stole it one night when I was drunk. And they're like, how did you steal that? And I would be like, well, I just walked out and like put it in a taxi. And it was in my house for years. And the funny thing is that when I got sober, I then got really into the yoga practice. And one thing that I did was a practice of a staya one morning. I was like 50 days sober. And a staya is this yoga philosophy word, which means non-stealing. So I walked around the house. I found everything that belonged to other people. And a lot of it was from partying. Someone had left something in my house. I knew it belonged to them. I collected all this stuff and I gave it all away. And then I gave it back to the people it belonged to. And then I looked at this Meghan Markle thing and I was like, you know, it's whatever it was a year later. I'm like, I can't just go to this club and say, hey, I stole this Meghan Markle thing from you a year ago. Like I knew that would not go over well and they probably weren't even looking for it. But I made a decision. I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep this here. I kept it hung up in my kitchen for the rest of the time I live in that apartment. And this is going to be my reminder of who I do not want to be 
I don't want to be like, I thought this was so funny to take these things. And I looking at this is like, this is not who I want to be anymore. Like I want to be a respectful guest that isn't just doing these ridiculous things because she thinks they're so funny. So I don't know if that's a good example of what you were looking for. It's a great example, Alex. And especially think about the title of the podcast, mm -hmm. Liars, Thieves, Gluttons, and Whores. You know that they say addicts in general are liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores, that we, we don't uh, live by values that we believe in. Like we cross mm -hmm. over those lines that we draw in the sand all the time when we're active in addiction. And you brought to my mind, I often co-host this show with my brother, Bob, and he's been sober even longer than I have been. Uh, we have 80 plus years between the two of us. Wow, that's amazing. And um, I remember Bob stole a collection plate from a church <laughs> and I never knew how he stole that, but I remember it being in his apartment or his room in the house that he lived in. Yeah, yeah pretty wild. Um, you mentioned your yoga philosophy. I love that. I, I also saw, I think, on your website about where you initially trained in yoga. What is it called? Zuna yoga? Yes. So I did my 200 hour at a place called Yandara, which is like kind of the foundation. And then my 300 hour, which is the advanced training was at Zuna yoga. Exactly. Okay. So one of these trainings was in Mexico and the mm -hmm. other in Bali. Yeah, exactly. And what exactly is, is there a short form of sharing with people what Zuna yoga is? Yeah. Um, oh, I haven't been asked that question before. So Zuna yoga is, it's a style of vinyasa yoga that's called vinyasa krama. And basically what that means is that you're teaching a yoga class towards a peak pose. So for example, you're learning like a headstand. And so everything along the way leading up to that point will be about like strengthening the core and opening the shoulders and like learning how to lift up. And so it's really um, cause I'm a school teacher. So I'm really interested in like that whole concept of like scaffolding a lesson and building people up to meet their end goal, whether it's, you know, when I taught grade ones, it's like, you know, teaching the different letters over and over and then in sequence and different combinations until it makes one word kind of thing. And so that style of yoga has really drawn to me because I feel like you can really see the progress in people in, in the asana practice, which is like the postures. And then there's also just a deep, I got a deep philosophical benefit from this school because they were really interested in the philosophy of yoga, which for me is one of my, my passions. I love how you described that you're, you are a teacher, even though you said you didn't really like teaching and yeah. all that much, um, that it, at your core, speaking of mm -hmm. core, you are a teacher, you know, that you see it systematic, a way of of helping people learn and to have a goal from the onset, you know, in your classes. So that's lovely to hear too. I am also a, well, I used to be a certified yoga teacher. I haven't done any certification or kept that up for years, but it was through Kripalu yoga. 
Kripalu. I went there. Did you go to the Kripalu Center? I went to Kripalu when it was in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Okay. One of the things that I um, go back to my yoga training and yoga practice about in recovery in working with other people when I worked as a substance abuse counselor for within a hospital for 13 years um, was about detox because, um, you know, we were told things or I learned that you, some of the ways to help detox along and you said that first 11 days was horrible was to drink a lot of water to flush out your system, also to sweat and also massage, you know, that, mm -hmm. um, that those all release toxins um, and make your withdrawal easier. So I would think that uh, especially hot yoga, um, mm -hmm. where you're sweating and you're massaging your inner organs with the yoga postures, I mean, it, just a, a lot of things and teaching do-in massage where people massage their own body too. Yeah would be really helpful. Plus, I think there's a lot of philosophy in sobriety and yoga that are aligned. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what has been one of the um, highlights in sobriety for you? I think the highlight 100% was that I've been able to make this massive career shift and actually be doing what I love and what I dreamed of doing all my life. So I was a teacher and I actually discovered yoga and started teaching yoga before I even finished my actual bachelor of education. And the reason why I went into teaching was, was because I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. Like I thought I had to have a normal career. I thought I needed a salary and a pension. And um, I just didn't know how I could do this entrepreneurial thing. I didn't believe I was capable of it. And I didn't think that anyone would want me. I didn't think anyone would want to do my yoga retreat or my teacher training or come to my platform. And I do believe that sobriety, like if I had never chosen to get sober in April, 2019, I would have never had the confidence to do what I've done in the past three years. And I would still be a teacher. And for that, I will always be so grateful that I had the courage to make that change. It does take courage too, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And have there been, well, I, I can't ask, have there been any challenges? Of course there've been challenges. <laughs> what has been the darkest moment in your recovery or the greatest challenge that you've had to work on in these last few years? I mean, I think, okay, the, the darkest moments were definitely the withdrawal. And that was like, I was experiencing a lot of depressive symptoms and a lot of really scary thoughts. And so that was definitely the darkest. I don't think anything has been darker than that. But I think the biggest challenge, which wasn't dark, but it was just hard, <laughs> was literally the building of this business. Because I, once I made the decision to pivot into building the business, I had to teach for about two and a half more years. And because I just didn't, was not building sustaining enough, I didn't know how to get it to build enough to be 
profiting and sustaining me. And so I had to keep figuring out like, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to make this work? And there were so many times where I failed and got shut down and got things happening along the way where I thought I'm going to have to be a teacher forever. And I think the biggest challenge for me was to keep going after every single setback and just keep believing that it was going to come together and it was going to get better. And, and it eventually did, but it took a long time to get to that point. And I do believe that's why a lot of entrepreneurial and a lot of entrepreneurs don't make it so far into being able to walk away from their business because the first failure can be a huge setback or the second failure or whatever. And I think for me, it was having this belief that like, this is my destiny. And no matter what path I need to take to get there, I'm going to get there eventually. So tell my listeners more about what you offer right now. Because I'm, yeah. I'm hearing you talk and I'm thinking about the people that I've helped and I'm currently helping to create businesses of their own as a life coach. And I'm thinking, well, I wonder, Alex, I don't know if you're already helping other people through your teacher training, helping them in the business side, not just mm -hmm. the learning the yoga, but how to start up their own business. Yeah. So I initially started with kind of like a yoga membership and I was doing kind of all of this Zoom yoga, drop in Zoom yoga, and then I started offering these 30 day sober girls yoga challenges. And that is like the most amazing thing. It's women in initial sobriety and I'm supporting them with daily yoga practice. We have a once a week meeting I actually just got off the call with the current group right now. And I love it. It's like you create this little, it's almost like a yoga retreat container that carries you through the long term. And so we've actually just expanded that whole program into a full year recovery program, which is amazing. So we have the 30 and 60 day sober girls yoga challenge, which is led by me. And then another one of my teachers who I trained, um, she just graduated from my yoga teacher training about a year ago. She developed a four month recovery program. It's called the 108 day recovery. And so this is based on like the yoga mala, which has 108 beads. So the idea is that the women come out of the 30 and 60 day, and then they join her emotional recovery program, which takes them to about six months. And then the final piece of that year is called the Seva program. And so the Seva program, Seva means Sanskrit, sorry, Seva means service in Sanskrit. And the idea is that ancient, um, ancient people in India believed years ago that the benefit to our spiritual growth is to help our communities, to serve our communities, to give back. And that creates purpose and meaning in our life. And so we've created the Seva program, which is an ongoing program for women that have hit the, that six month mark to then give back. And so we still have once a week meetings with them where we go into yoga philosophy, but they also play different roles in the community. Like they mentor other women and they come to the other early day meetings and they you know, participate in our Facebook group. And so it's this big extended program. So that's what the sobriety program looks like. And then onwards from that, I also have the yoga teacher trainings. So uh, 200 hour yoga teacher training, 300 hour in mental health, I have a sobriety yoga teacher training, and then I do do coaching, business coaching for, it's called the Sober Yoga Entrepreneur. So it's for women that have, you know, come through my programs and want to make a coaching business. It doesn't have to be in sobriety. It can be in, you know, um, someone did graphic design and someone else did like writing, coaching, um, narrative medicine was what she did. So it's basically helping women build a business just like I did. 
great. You know, I have always, I, not always, for a very long time, I've wanted to travel to Bali. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the places I have not been. And that's certainly on my bucket list. Um, are there women of all ages, seniors like myself that come into your yoga center in Bali? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I was actually having this conversation with Kathy the other day because the community is called Sober Girls Yoga and Kathy just turned 50. And um, then our uh, one of our other coordinators, Lee, she is like over 60, I think maybe she's 60 or just above 60. Anyway, Kathy was saying she used to not like the Sober Girls Yoga thing because she was like, oh, it's I feel like it's not for me. And then she was saying this past week, you know, I've changed my perspective on it because it's kind of like all that inner child work that we're doing to get back to like the the little kid that we used to be. And I was like, oh, I love that. It gave me shivers. So the answer is yes, we have women of all ages. And we've actually put that as our new tagline. Like after this conversation with Kathy, it now says like, we help women of all ages, sexual orientations, religion, and more quit drinking and stay sober long-term if they choose to. And of course that expands to, um, we're also trans inclusive. So it's not, you don't have to be a cisgendered woman to, to join our community, but we do feel like we did have a period of time where we made it open to men as well. And what we found was that a lot of women really missed that like safe, sacred women's only space, which is why we've pivoted back to it. And so the general mindful life community is open to men. And we do have men who join in, in those general programs, but the sober girls yoga program is specifically just for women, people who feel safe in women's only spaces. And women of all ages. Thank you Mm -hmm. for clarifying that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any final words for our listeners that messages that you'd really like, and then we'll go over what's the easiest way to contact you directly, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if I had one theme, I was on a podcast a long time ago where someone asked me like, what would be the tagline to my journey? And it was a couple of years ago, but I still feel like this is the tagline for me is just believing in your potential. And I think this is like the key thing that has shifted everything in my life, whether it's, you know, getting sober and staying sober, starting a business, believing in different things that I've accomplished, every single thing, what happened in every single one of those moments was that I started to believe in myself. And so I think that's my biggest life lesson is that if you don't believe that you can quit drinking or that you can stay sober or that you can start a business or whatever dream you're trying to achieve, if you don't believe in it, then you're never going to do it. So it just takes that little subtle mindset shift of like, I know I can do this. And that is what I would leave you with. If you're in one of those pivotal moments of your life, when you're trying to figure out like, how am I going to do this? Just start by being like, I can, and I'm going to, and no matter what challenges and what hurdles come up along the way, I just got to keep going. I'm going to steal that question. What is your journey tagline? I love it. <laughs> steal away, steal away. It wasn't my question actually originally. So. Right, but we're not going to steal it in the sense of liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. <laughs> we're just going to borrow it or expand upon it. <laughs> and how do people reach you directly, Alex? What's the easiest way for people to um, be in touch with you further? Yes, I'm a, I'm a big Instagrammer on my personal Instagram account. So it's Alex McRobbs is where you can find me. And spell that, McRobbs. Yes, 
So A-L-E-X and then M-C-R-O-B-S. Alex McGrobs. If you type into Instagram, Sober Yoga Girl, you'll probably find me as well. And, um, and that's where I am. Great. Well, we will be seeing you there. Thank you Amazing. so much for being with us today, Alex. Thank you so much, Nancy. This is wonderful. stories about addiction we might oh stories about recovery too Mm. but mostly stories about how addiction turns smart sensitive people into liars thieves gluttons and whores liars and thieves and gluttons and whores oh liars thieves gluttons and whores oh my liars thieves gluttons and whores oh my liars thieves gluttons and whores oh my What better way to show your support than by purchasing some of our amazing LTGW merchandise. We have caps, t-shirts, cups, mugs, tumblers, hoodies, wristbands, watch bands, and so much more. 